This week on the Artemis podcast, join us as we revisit the Artemis Genesis story with our co-hosts, Marsha Brownlee and Maggie Human, and our guest, Jess Johnson. Although this episode debuted three years ago, these impressive women laid the foundation, making Artemis what it is today. As sportswomen and conservationists, we do more than hunt and fish. We have an obligation to give as well as receive and to embody an inclusive culture. The complete sportswoman can skin a deer, land a burly brown trout, navigate in the wild, and she knows her game commissioners and politicians, knows wildlife laws, defends all wildlife, advocates on their behalf, and teaches others these skills. We cannot expect the next generation to enjoy the privilege of our irreplaceable lands, waters, and wildlife without our explicit engagement in all facets of the sporting conservation life. Artemis embodies the definition of the complete sportswoman and sees it as our duty to use our platform to promote and teach this philosophy. So, without further delay, enjoy this awesome throwback episode. Artemis endeavors to get more women and girls in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Hey, welcome to the Artemis podcast presented by Hunt to Eat. I am joined today by my co-host, Maggie Human. Hi, Maggie. Hey, Marsha. My name is Maggie Human. I'm going to be one of your regular co-hosts for the Artemis podcast. I am one of the co-founders of Artemis and on the advisory board, and I'm an entomologist by trade, and I'm a manager for the Orvis Company at their Jackson Hole location. Awesome, and you're in Florida right now, right? I am currently in Florida, escaping some blizzard-like conditions. Um, I can't say that I'm too (laughs) upset about it. No, Um, and we were texting late last week, and you said you caught your first bass fly fishing. Tell me about that bass. Don't don't ruin my highs and lows. (laughs) <laughs> oh damn <laughs> all right we'll get that we'll get to that at the end of the podcast <laughs> stay tuned um and we're joined today by uh jess johnson hey jess hey guys i sound a little bit uh a little rough but i'm doing great <laughs> good you've been sheep showing in these last few days right yeah i've been hitting the uh, show circuit so that long run from dallas safari club to sheep show and a lot of talking yeah but well, thank you for joining us today. We are talking about Artemis, who we are, what we love to do, our hopes and dreams. And of course, you have to be on here for that. So we're grateful that you, you, you dialed in. Do you want to do a brief introduction? So the people yeah. in the podcast world who are yet unaware of who you are are caught up to speed. Uh, I am Jess Johnson. I am one of the co-founders of Artemis and sit on the advisory council now. Um, I work for the Wyoming Wildlife Federation, so I'm based out of Lander, Wyoming. Um, But just enjoy and love everything that Artemis has become and I'm excited to be on the first episode of the podcast. Woohoo! So before we dive in, quick question. What's in your freezer right now? Um... I have a smorgasbord in my freezer right now. I think I have a white-tailed deer uh, that came from near Sheridan, Wyoming. I have a um, part of a moose that came out of Idaho and uh, a little bit of elk that's from uh, Wyoming as well. And I can tell you that this was the generous sharing of folks uh, 
that gave me meat because my hunting season was interrupted halfway through because of a car wreck. And so I think it's a great representation of the hunting community and the sharing and how amazing everybody is when they pitch in and people need a little help. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Um, speaking of, how's your foot? Foot is good. Foot is good. I had heels on last night for the banquet and it worked All well. Right. <laughs> that means you're done. Heels are back. You're solid. Mm-hmm. Maggie, what's in your freezer? Back in home. Oh, back man. home. I, I don't, I can't oh, imagine okay, what's in your okay. freezer in Florida. I was going to say, I was going to say I did a little <laughs> uh, run to the Louisiana market the other day and I have boudin in the freezer here, but that's Ooh. a whole different podcast. Um, unfortunately this year I didn't get to hunt quite as much as I wanted to um, but I do have a wonderful coworker whose husband got a couple of deer and pronghorn and so she's been nice enough to share some meat with me as well just like Jess said it's pretty awesome with the hunting community and how generous everybody is and I think she was getting really tired of making you know deer spaghetti and deer sausage and she was more than happy to to give me some and then you know, got a couple pheasants left and some grouse as well. Um, my husband's from Louisiana, so he likes to make, you know, chicken fried pheasant and stuff like that. So we eat pretty good in mm-hmm. the wintertime. Sounds lovely. Awesome. Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, today's topic is Artemis. And I thought, Jess, maybe you could kick us off on that by telling us the story of where you were the very first time somebody mentioned uh, a sportswoman's initiative to you. Uh, I was in the upstairs of the Lander Bake Shop, which used to be Wyoming Wildlife Federation's uh, office. And I remember because I got a phone call and I was looking out over the Wind Rivers and I was like having this just sort of thought um, because I'd finally found a place where I could work in conservation and hunt. And that voice uh, was was like listened to. and I got a phone call and it was Aaron Kindle uh, talking about this opportunity to uh, help create a women's conservation and hunting sort of initiative. And, and it was this, this very basic like, hey, um, I've got your name from Shami, who was the uh, executive director of WWF at that time. And he's like, she says, you're very passionate. <laughs> you, you like to talk a lot about hunting. <laughs> Um, and, and how would you feel about like this opportunity to help create this? And I must've just been like dead silent for a while. Cause I, you know, when everything kind of comes together and all of a sudden, like your life converges and you like see the door open and it starts to begin, uh, that was that moment. <laughs> and it nice. was amazing to have that opportunity. And it was one of those things where I had no idea where it would take me. Um, you know, cause you're like, oh yeah, sure. I'll start like a you know, women's club or whatever, you know, and you just don't know where it's going to go. And very soon, and it was very obvious very quickly that National Wildlife Federation um, had put their money where their mouth was and like backed this and they like had the, the structure to help organize. And without it, without that level of uh, sort of scaffolding to build everything around it, um, it wouldn't have worked like it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a, I remember that phone call cause it was like, Oh, this is really awesome. Um, we need more women. <laughs> so I know in that, that, um, part of the first hard work that you did was pulling together, um, co-founders to help 
um, build Artemis, but then also figuring out what we should be called. So tell us about both of those things. Yeah, well, I mean, it was very clear, very, uh, you know, right out of the gate that like, you can't be just like a voice, you're, you're one woman, you, one woman isn't going to be a voice for all women. That doesn't make sense. There's takes all kinds of kinds. And so it became really clear very quickly that we needed some other uh, passionate and outspoken and uh, diverse in their approaches uh, to hunting and everything. Um, and those women came just very organically. It was folks that we knew or folks that like we'd heard of. And as soon as the word got out, people were like, oh, have you talked to this woman? Oh, have you talked to this person? And this person would be great. And we ended up talking to about 20 different women and we ended up narrowing it down to 10. And that was actually how I, uh, how I met Maggie. I met Maggie at a pint night um, in Jackson. And I think Maggie and I bonded over um, having some choice words over the female uh, hunting clothing industry. <laughs> and uh, it just like right from there, as, as soon as you, you met each co-founder, co it was like, oh yeah, this woman's incredible. You know, Sarah Domek from Dubois, she's with the National Bighorn Sheep Center, Tammy Bashor from uh, South Dakota. I mean, every one of them, Kara Armano, she's down in uh, Colorado. She sits on our advisory council now. And it was just every time you met these women, it was just phenomenal. Um, but I mean, that, that like set the stage for what, uh, what Artemis became and, you know, the name even. At one, you know, I went into it going like, we can't have another acronym. <laughs> Like I'm not doing another like W in my life and I'm not putting another like weird word together. So, um, well, just, or some of the, the options like women of the outdoors, yeah, woo, yeah. Woo. women of the outdoors, W O O. And I was like, we're not going to call this thing. Woo. Like I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, and so I, it just sort of like organically came where I had been reading something and I started, you know, getting creative, like looking up, like, you know, deities around hunting and Artemis popped up. And the more I read about Artemis, the more I was like, this, this is the, the, this is it. Like, um, you know, as a goddess, she's the goddess of the hunt, but she's also goddess of birth. And she's this, uh, sort of light and dark t looks at both sides, uh, badass like you know she just gets mm -hmm. after it and her her mythological history is quite profound and after reading more and more into that um I also think the name you know is what drives a lot of it and it came with its own little power but uh mm -hmm. it as soon as I was like hey what about Artemis and sent that out to the co-founders and everybody was like yay not acronyms like you can't make that an acronym mm -hmm. and so that's yeah it just kind of I, I want to say it was like some like really nice leather bound book I was looking through, but likely it was Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Today's leather bound book. It's all good. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I know that the, I kind of, it feels like the biggest sort of launching event for Artemis was that um, strategic planning session in New Mexico. Can you, how'd that go down? How, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about like, I actually think the first, the one that was like the real launch, that New Mexico one was amazing. Um, there was one a little bit earlier than that that was in Denver. Um, and it was mm -hmm. in the, uh, one of these really swanky hotels. And it was when all of the co-founders met face-to-face -face for the first time. 
Um, mm. cause a lot of us, like, you know, you knew some of them, but you'd heard of others and, and, uh, sitting down with everyone and just like looking at them and, and, you know, having discussions that was indicative of where Artemis would go. As soon as we finished that meeting, it was like, Oh God, like we've harnessed lightning. <laughs> um, how do we, how do we keep this going without it blowing up in our faces? And it was, it was women with God, we were sitting around on a couch, like in some swanky hotel talking about the fastest way to like butcher an elk, which, you know, in the middle of Denver, people were like walking by like, what is going on here? Um, or having discussions over the best ways to pee in the woods, which I'm sure will be a podcast in a couple episodes. <laughs> yep. It's on the calendar. Um, but then, you know, as we sort of rolled out Artemis and that was like, that was like the place where we like settled on our mission and, and, you know, talking about the direction that we wanted to go. And then all of these doors opened and um, we had an opportunity to go down to New Mexico uh, on one of Turner's places, Ted Turner's places. And well, one, of, a, one of our biggest supporters right out the gate was Sally Ranney, right? I think so Mary. She was <laughs> instrumental in like kind of pushing the agenda there and getting us all together and saying, hey, you know, if you ladies really want to move forward with something like this, we need to sit down and have this cohesive strategic plan because, you know, we're not always going to walk a red line or a blue line. We're going to sit down and talk about what our beliefs are and then we're mm -hmm. going to decide you know, what, what our position statement is based on what we all collectively agree. Because like you said, we all come from different places and we all have different beliefs and everything, but being able to sit down in New Mexico and kind of like cohesively put all of our thoughts in one place and decide which direction Artemis was moving was huge. It was so needed, like you said, Maggie, because we like, we know we launched Artemis sort of prior to the strategic plan and went, mm -hmm. oh my God, the engagement was, and I've said this so many times, it was like drinking from a fire hose. It was unbelievable. And it was really indicative of the niche and, and, and how needed it was. But then to like, you know, we had to be like, oh gosh, now nose to the grindstone. We have to sit down and get some strategy on, on the ground. So we, you know, actually go somewhere and we're not just a, a social media personality. <laughs> I thought, um, you know, NWF, and Sally and everybody did a really good job too of like providing us with the right facilitators for that too and it wasn't people that were just like you know box dancers and this is how you're supposed to form a group it was very wide open to how we wanted to approach it and you know I mean the ultimate end goal of things like Artemis is to not have things like Artemis because we don't need them because everybody's voice is being heard but right now you know we saw a huge huge hole in that conservation outdoor world where there's a lot of women doing a lot of these activities and women are some of the fastest growing demographics in a lot of different outdoor sports and we're not seeing that voice be as elevated and it really I think one of the biggest things to me was going to DC right out the gate when we kind of did our soft launch and this was prior to going to New Mexico right yeah like yeah it was in April together okay. now that was our soft launch and we basically you know started our instagram page and all that right when we landed in dc and you know as a bunch of women walking into different senators and congressmen's offices and showing up and talking about things we believed in and land and water conservation fund and nepa and all kinds of stuff was a really powerful moment i think for us and a really good springboard for everything that happened in new mexico yeah you know and from what i, I remember the 
the um, re the reception you guys got in D.C. left a, fa a fairly memorable impression on the legislators that you met. I think I've heard some good stories about that. Yeah, I well, think I mean, we like, like wear the powerful fact earrings, and they'll remember you. <laughs> uh, for those of you uh, not understanding that, I wore two forty three shells as earrings and set off every metal detector and I think all of DC that we walked through. Um, yeah, they weren't, they weren't stoked about us in the security line when Jessie's got shells in her ears and the, I'm coming through with fly tie materials dangling from my ears and they're like, who are these girls? They are, they are not wearing pearl necklaces and a little suit. Oh man. It was great though. They let me through with the earrings. I was surprised by that. But uh, yeah, wear, uh, wear memorable jewelry. I think our senator still remembers that. <laughs> Um, the nuance that we have as women. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, I think, you know, Maggie talking about how, like, the initial part of DC, you know, that being the first action that Artemis did, um, that was a very, like, it, it was an intentional choice because it said, you know, you know, we're hunters and we're here and we want to change the landscape so it's more friendly to female hunters and we want to you know build up role models uh and and sort of get that ball rolling but but without forgetting that that our first and foremost um thing is conservation it's that uh work that you know we have the privilege and it is a privilege we have the privilege to hunt and our obligation to that privilege is to to you know work on behalf of the wildlife and the wild places that we hold so dear and and that means you know whether it's going to DC or it's writing a senator or it's you know teaching others how to hunt, it's bringing and opening those doors um, for a movement on the conservation scale. And uh, that going to DC, especially with uh, and it was you know wildly fun with all the women. So I think we had a live karaoke night that got way cool. Um, but but. That was just, you know, that set the stage for, I think, the intention of what Artemis is, which is, you know, to, to neutralize the landscape in the hunting, you know, for women, but also, like, ask people to step it up a little bit and, and mm -hmm. start, you know, giving back. Mm -hmm. And along the way, you know, doing what we can to mentor them in that just as much as we're hoping to mentor them in the field and on the water to really be that community and that support network to give them the skills. Because it can be, you know, it's a pretty steep learning curve if you just dump it, jump in the deep end. Oh, yeah. Um, it's scary to go to your decision makers. It's not easy to, like, tell somebody that you disagree with their stance on something and to ask them to change their vote <laughs> or, like, that's not a, a light conversation to have. And um, it's just, like, it's not a light but thing to pull a trigger or to loose an arrow at an at a animal or, um, you know, make the choice to sustainably like source your food it's it takes nuance and it takes training and it takes a support system but i think that's one of the mm -hmm. best things that's come from all this is like you know five six years ago i probably wasn't going to show up at a community meeting and go talk to my you know local elected officials about a certain issue that i felt you know strongly about but since feeling this empowerment from this, I've been able to show up at these things and engage in conversation and ask questions and not feel like, 
you know, I just read some article quick off the internet and, and ran there with whatever, you know, I felt like mm -hmm. I had a strong understanding of what's going on and that I had a lot to bring to the table and that my questions were listened to and considered. And it's just, it's a really cool thing, I think, for, for people to see women showing up at meetings doing that kind of stuff, especially when it involves hunting and angling. Oh, I, you know, just the landscape of conservation in a, in a large way has changed, you know, you go to some of these big conventions and um, whether they're, they're organization conventions or they're larger industry stuff and five, five years ago, even the landscape was very different looking and, and, you know, if you were a woman um, in the hunting arena, even five years ago, you saw less. Like you were a little like, and now, you know, walking around, you're like, oh, like, this is great. Like, it's starting to feel more equal. Like the landscape is changing and it's changing pretty quick. Um, mm -hmm. We just have to make sure that we, you know, keep up with it and that we're not forsaking the quality for quantity, you know, in the sense of like, we want to bring people in, but we want to bring them in educated and, and making sure mm -hmm. that they are a good uh, an ambassador to conservation and hunting. and um, that's how we're gonna keep this privilege that we so love. <laughs> mm -hmm. Marsha, I, I would love your uh, side of things. And, and you know, you, you are at the forefront and you're steering this ship now. And um, as someone that wasn't there at the beginning, but has have come on and just, you know, made Artemis what it is today, which is something I think we're all just incredibly grateful and blown away by. <laughs> Um, I would love to hear sort of your perspective and, and what it was like coming in and, and what, you know, what's your hopes and dreams? <laughs> yeah. So uh, where do I even start with that question? Um, it was amazing coming in. You know, I think uh, I'm, a, I'm a new hunter and a new angler. Um, I started angling about 10 years ago and I started hunting about five years ago. So I was just entering into um, my experience as a hunter uh, and trying to process the way that it changed my relationship with the natural world and the importance uh, that I felt about the need to really get engaged. Um, you know, I've always been a naturalist and I was a nature-based educator before coming on to Artemis. So I've always been engaged uh, um, I, passively, I guess, for a lack of better word, in conservation. Uh, um, uh, but becoming a hunter really inspired me to get engaged more actively. Uh, and when I first heard about the um, position of program manager for Artemis, it was kind of the same thing you mentioned just with your experience of that phone call when they called you about this women's initiative. It's like, that's it. I've been wondering what's next, and that's next. Um, and it spoke to me in so many different ways. One is because I really love working um, to support people, women in particular, people in general, um, and, and helping them grow and learn um, and dive into something that's uh, uh, unknown and a little scary. Uh, and so the opportunity that this position provides to be able to do that, to such a broad base of really um, strong and passionate women, it was just a dream come true for me. Um, and then secondly, to help build this movement um, was also just a huge draw to, to ride this wave. And it's still like drinking from a fire hose. You know, you, we've, so Artemis, you know, that, 
launch was in 2017, and then I was brought on in June of 2018, um, and here we are in early 2020, um, and the growth has been steady, and the, our capacity to keep up with it is something that we're continually uh, striving to have. <laughs> the number one thing that I hear is just more, 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 and so mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. both addressed, like it's just, you know, how do we harness that? How do we, you know, make sure that we're doing it in the right way and everybody is educated and, you know, we're not just saying like, oh yeah, start a chapter in this state and then we don't know what's going on. Like we want to make sure that the way we do this is purposeful and meaningful and does the best things it could possibly do for women and conservation. Absolutely. And for me, um, which is, I feel is something that I inherited or share in common with the co-founders. It's like the, the understanding that, in order for all of this to work, our primary focus needs to be on the relationship, right? It's about my relationship to the advisory committee and my relationship to our ambassadors on the ground. And then it's about that ambassador's relationship to the women in their community. Like that's what creates that supportive um, relationship. That's what gives you access uh, to um, to women hunters and anglers and conservationists. It's, it's developing those relationships. And, um, and the priority has always been and will always be main you know building those individual connections between women well and i would right I would and it's not like that, planting oh. people places sorry yeah no <laughs> go for it. it's not like we're like sending people in to like go start the artemis chapter in this place it's we're finding women who are already there who are already doing these things and we're helping just elevate their voice and build their community even bigger Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. I would add to that that like you know this relationship thing you know Artemis has always been an organization that's for women but not just for women like mm-hmm. you know we've had some of the most amazing um, supporters have come from some some of the men you know that are that are excited to see this and whether they have their daughters or their wives or their girlfriends or their sisters or you know it's it's that. Uh, support from all around and the relationships that we've had um, with, with, with people that have helped connect us with some of the amazing ambassadors and uh, some of those have been men. And it's been really, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that's, that's the longevity is like, we can't just, Artemis is here right now to build everything up and to give this uh, platform, you know, to, well, to normalize it and, and, when it hits that point, um, you know, hopefully someday, like you said earlier, Artemis isn't needed because the landscape has changed and it's uh, it's a normal and not a shocking thing to see women in the conservation and hunting world. Um, but some of that mm-hmm. is like, we have to also reach outside and uh, make sure we don't leave behind the others. Well, that's mm-hmm. why, I mean, I've said that from the get go. I don't want to be part of the she woman man haters club this is in no way like a man bashing group just like i'm you know part of the 50 50 initiative with orvis it's not because we want to you know kick the 25 extra percent of men out and bring in a bunch of women who don't know what they're doing (laughs) it's all about just a a proper balance and and trying to make it where um i've i've said this analogy before but like i took a couple winters ago, I took a learn how to play hockey class, and it was a bunch of guys. It was a bunch of guys in the class, and I'll be honest, I didn't feel super comfortable asking questions. I felt like they could all skate and shoot better than me. And then the next year, I took the same class, but I took a women's version, and I just felt so much 
I don't want to say like safer, but just it was a better, better place for me to learn. It was a better place for me to ask questions. And it just felt all around like I learned more from that experience because I could relate to it better. And I just think that that's kind of what we're doing here is we're not trying to push the men out. We're trying to make a space that's more comfortable. And there's plenty of women in the world that are comfortable being the only woman in the room. And I can attest to all three of us having been that woman many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, again, not not any type of thing to push out the dudes, but it's something that we need to do, I think, as women, for women, to help us feel better in this certain space. Well, and, yeah. and you know, it's the first step. When you look at the diversity in hunting, you know, we're not going to fix, we're not, you know, and we're not qualified, frankly, to fix all of the diversity issues in what the hunting community faces. <laughs> but what we are is that first step, you know, and it's that, that what we can work on and the voice we can be relevant for is the voice of, of you know, hopefully many women in the hunting community. Um, and if we push that door open just a little bit, um, you know, looking at, at, at minorities getting into the outdoors, looking at, uh, at the gender issues and the, the LGBTQ community, like all of that, is is you know something that is uh you know waiting to look at the hunting community and and find something they see as similar in it and, and um if we are changing the landscape even a little bit i have to like believe that that's like one more inch that door is open and maybe we then are given or gifted the ability to um hand over the platform to someone else to keep pushing that door open, you know, and, and if women are normalized, maybe that makes it easier to get the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ movement normalized or the minority movement like normalized. And um, we're, we're not the voice for them, but we certainly can start opening the door. Mm -hmm. And I think Maggie, just going back to what you were saying about your experience, um, your different experiences learning in hockey. Like I've had similar experiences learning in different groups of hunters. And part of it for me was just the power of seeing how I engaged in different groups. You know, how, what, mm -hmm. what did I bring um, myself to a group of, of hunters when they were all men? And what did I bring to the group when they were all women? So I think uh, it's just, there's just a lot of learning about your own um, interactions that can happen when you change yeah. up your community okay. like that. That's interesting. And we all interact differently. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, 
I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I mean, it's not, it is funny though to reflect back on that and be like, man, I acted like such a sissy in that class. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of the whole, you know, human element of it. And it's all, we're all a big social experiment. <laughs> we're all a big social experiment. I need a shirt that says that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, Jess, going back to your question about my hopes and dreams for Artemis, um, you know, Artemis has always wanted to do things very intentionally uh, and do what we do well. So when we did launch in 2017, we focused on the interior West um, with the primary uh, efforts going out to Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, um, with the idea that let's get engaged in these communities um, and learn what we're doing on the ground and see where we go from there. Um, and the interest has always been national. Uh, and I get probably once a week an inquiry from a, a woman outside of the West wondering how they can get involved. Uh, and so I definitely think we're, we're in a place where our uh, ability to engage volunteers in a meaningful way can be expanded. Um, and so starting in February, we'll be opening up applications to be Artemis ambassadors uh, to women across the country. Um, and the focus there, again, will be um, women who are interested in building a community of hunters and anglers in their area um, and, and really want to engage both in increasing capacity in the field and on the water um, and uh, in your legislator's office and in conservation um, and really have those conversations and build those relationships. So I'm really excited to get that going and um, meet new women who are interested in engaging um, and, and just going from there and seeing what 2020 brings because it's going to be pretty that amazing. Some woo! I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and now I'm crying. <laughs> Speaking of watching no. something, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I make Jess cry at least once a month every time we talk. It's a, it's so, it's so powerful though to have been and seen this go from, like, just an idea, and and then seeing how, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're not the only ones that have felt like this is something that is needed, and and the engagement and the amazing women. I mean. It, Maggie's like one of my best friends now and I would have never known her without this and you too Marcia and like all of the uh, mm -hmm. all of the women that have been a part of this when we were at the leadership retreat that we did this last summer um, with some of the ambassadors and just like sitting in that circle and listening to these like I, I, I mean just stories from everywhere and these women that just had like there was so much knowledge in one room um, you, you can just see where this thing is going and um mm -hmm. but but the uh going national in a month is yeah that makes me cry <laughs> yeah it's so exciting and with I a girl two days ago that that wants to you know help facilitate the georgia chapter and so it's just 
like you said, Marcia, you get hit from every direction all the time by women from all over the country because there is such a want for this. Yeah. It's it's almost topable. It's fun. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's you get you were talking about the energy the first time all of the uh co founders came together in Denver and then yeah, there was definitely that energy the first time all of the ambassadors and advisory council came together for our leadership retreat last year. And I'm kinda excited to see uh, if this podcast can help in some way or another um, deliver that type of energy to a broader audience, because I think anytime you get uh, you get to hear stories from women that you may you haven't heard before, or you don't typically have the opportunity to hear, it can be just really exciting um, and inspiring. And I know Maggie, when we were talking to Chris Hill for our podcast last year, I had a little bit of that. It's just really cool to hear women talk about stuff that they know so well and feel so strongly about um, and, and work so passionately for. And I would say also like to hear women talk about some of the stuff that they don't like not talk about it in a way of like, but saying like, Hey, sometimes I don't know that. Like I was just, I'm a bow hunter. I was, I've been at sheep show for the last three days and I stopped by the Weatherby booth and had one of the most profound ballistics lessons because I'm a bow hunter. I, but, but they were like, uh, this gentleman sat down with me and just like ran me through like ballistics 101 and you know like sometimes it's just hard to like say that oh I don't know that especially when you're partially into the industry and all of a sudden you're like oh but I'm a bow hunter like I'm I'm having to learn a whole new language around rifles now um, but that that like the questions that sometimes I think we're embarrassed to 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 ask um, I would really hope that this podcast also helps bring that out because it's really okay to not know things. You just have to be willing to learn them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. I felt that way last week talking to Chris Hill as well, because I don't fish in the wintertime, <laughs> but I know so much more about it now than I used to. Fabulous. Cool. So, uh, you know, if, if um, I want to remind everybody who's listening to this podcast that we want to hear any questions. Um, that you have. So if there's something uh, that we didn't cover in this podcast that you're interested in learning about Artemis, you know, who, uh, where, we, where we've been, where we are, where we're going, don't hesitate to shoot me an email or, or a voice memo at artemis at nwf.org. So to wind us down, we're going to touch on some hits and misses. So Jess, what were you aiming for this week and how did it go? Oh boy. Um, I've been at Sheep Show and uh, in Nebraska uh, prior to that. And I was doing a film project with a new hunter. And I think my aim for this week was to uh, sort of successfully see this new hunter into a space that was welcoming. Um, <laughs> and it felt like I hit the mark. Um, and at Sheep Show, it was, a, you know, it's always just such a whirlwind. It's meeting people. It's um, being inspired. I think that was something that I didn't quite expect to uh, experience down here, but to see the level and how many people come to something to give money and effort and emotion to something like Wild Sheep, that was super inspiring to be around. Um, but yeah, that was, I think my, my week felt very full. <laughs> I, any yeah, I feel like anytime you go to a show like that, it's 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 amazing and overwhelming all at the same time. Totally overwhelming, um, hence the like scratchy voice, <laughs> a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, okay. but yeah, it was a, it's a profound community, this hunting family that we are in. And um, sometimes I disagree with them, but they will always feel like family. And um, it was, it's beautiful to be around. Nice. Maggie, what were you aiming for this week and how did it go? So my, my aim was to try and catch a redfish or jack or some kind of ocean fish since I'm in Florida. Um, so spent like two hours um, with somebody who's 1000% going to be involved with Artemis as soon as we get our expansion going next month. <laughs> and um, Excellent. we were with her and her mother-in-law and her husband and we walked up and down the beach for a little while and didn't really see much activity and so kind of gave that up and then I went back to the place where I'm staying and what's funny is I had um, I had not gotten my ride in time when I first got here so the first couple of days I was trying to fish I just went and bought a cheap ride um, at like Bass Pro Shop for like 20 bucks and I was trying to catch them on a spin ride in the pond outside where I'm staying because my friend told me that there weren't any fish in the pond, so I needed to prove her wrong. <laughs> and so I um, I ended up getting my fly rod in the mail that day, and I put a fly on and walked out and caught my first bass on a fly. So that was pretty cool. Um, ended up oh, catching shit. like eight of them, so super fun. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What'd your friend say when you told when you sent them pictures of the bass in the pond? Um, she was a little surprised, but you know, now maybe she's going to get after it. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. That's a pretty awesome. <laughs> so my biggest hit recently, I, you know, I have to say it's publishing the first episode of the podcast. This is something we've been wanting to do kind of since I got on, um, and we're finally here. Um, and you know, this is an entirely new endeavor for me. Um, so I'm excited to learn a lot this first year. Uh, I really look forward to good conversations and introducing the sporting world to a variety of women hunters and anglers and conservationists. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride. Um, and one more thing before I close out, I do want to give a special shout out to Monica Goki, who is a producer and editor for this podcast. Um, she's just been extremely valuable in, in helping me brainstorm and troubleshoot um, and calming me down when I needed to be calmed down. Uh, she's a wealth of information and I have a deep appreciation for her skill, her creativity and her sense of humor. So thank you, Monica. Uh, Jess, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you a potentially crazy question, which is how many Hunt to Eat shirts do you own? <laughs> oh boy. Um... I was like, I don't, I don't actually, uh, I don't actually know how many my ballpark guess is in the twenties. It's <laughs> awesome. So currently what's your, what's your favorite one? I bet, I think you're wearing one right now, aren't you? Yeah. I, uh, I, and I can tell you, it's not just currently, it is hands down my favorite t-shirt and sweatshirt I've owned ever, which is like, this, but it's the uh, carved line bighorn uh, sheep. So it's the big ram's head with the hunt to eat. And uh, it's my favorite design. It's the softest t-shirt and it's the most comfortable sweatshirt I've ever owned. <laughs> nice. Um, do you want to give a, a big shout out for your role as an ambassador for hunt to eat as well? <laughs> well, yeah, and I should, I should, uh, explain that, that I'm not normally a human that would always own 20 plus shirts that are hunting themed, but, um, I am an ambassador with hunt to eat and, uh, it's been really lovely to work with a company and, uh, be supported by a company that, uh, really values the community 
and values bringing new people in and values the voice around conservation and um, Hunteet and Mating, who is their fearless leader, uh, embody that to a T. And it's something I'm really, really profoundly uh, humbled to be a part of. Can I just point out that you said embody that to a T, which <laughs> is a beautiful pun. <laughs> that was so on purpose. <laughs> it was funny. so on purpose. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was no, magical. <laughs> Thank you.